Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. So we want to welcome you wherever you're tuning in from. Just a reminder for those of you listening on the airwaves on the East Coast and around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay, but we would love to hear from you. So what you can do is you can call in and ask your question or your prayer request, and then you'll be able to tune in the following week and be able to listen to yourself on the radio. So that's cool. We also want to give a big hello to everyone. We know there's so many of you who tune in online, uh, whether it's through the web app or through the uh, mobile app or on the website through the browser. Uh, welcome to the program for those of you who tune in. We know that there are people who tune in from other countries and from out of state and listen to this show live. So we're, we're so excited that you do that. Uh, if you don't have that mobile app, you should totally go get it. So you should go on whatever, you know, uh, whether it's you have an iPhone, Android, Windows phone, whatever you have, go on to the uh, app store of, you know, your choice and download that app so that you can listen to Grace FM on the go wherever you are uh, in the world. Uh, again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I am your host every Monday here on Calvary Live. And uh, it's just an uh, awesome privilege to be able to do that and to get to talk to so many of you and, and hear your prayer requests and pray for you and, and answer your Bible questions to the best of my ability. Uh, a little bit about myself, again, pastor of Whitefields Community Church. We're a church in Longmont, Colorado that loves Jesus and loves teaching the Bible verse by verse. We're affiliated with Calvary Chapel, even though it's not in our name. And uh, we meet at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is a historic building in downtown Longmont. So we are at the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. If you know Longmont, then you might know where those cross streets are. We are right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park. So the address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue. And I would just like to personally invite you while I have you here uh, to join us at Whitefields Community Church on a Sunday morning for worship. We gather at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning for worship and the word. And we study the Bible together. The website for our church is whitefieldschurch.com. You can check us out online. You can listen to older messages and things like that. So whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. We have a show, a half-hour show, 2.30 p.m. every weekday on Grace FM and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., which I actually hope that you're in church. But if for some reason you're not in church, then tune in Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and you can hear our studies at that time as well. Uh, this past Sunday at Whitefields, we started a new series, one that I've been preparing for for a while and one that I'm really excited about. Um, it's called The Trouble Is. And uh, so we started out. And so um, let me give you those call-in lines for those of you who might not have got them. And then I'll tell you a little bit about, a bit more about this series. And maybe that'll spur some callers and texters as well. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. So um, we, 
I did a poll on my blog on my website um, a few months ago. And the poll really is, I was asking people, what are the biggest hurdles for you in believing? And I asked also, you know, are you a Christian? Are you not a Christian? Or are you kind of undecided? And I got a lot of response. I actually got way more response than I had expected to. And I got a response from, from people all over the United States and from people um, even as far away as Africa and Australia. And it seems that people were really, really wanting to talk about this topic. And so I decided, you know, I, I realized through doing that poll that these are some questions and things that we need to answer as a church. Um, here's a few things I learned from doing this survey. Number one, I learned that there are people who are Christians, or at least who call themselves Christians, but yet, in spite of the fact that they, they, they do want to believe, they, they want to follow Jesus, they, they're sincere in their desire to follow Jesus and, and wanting to believe, yet they struggle with honest questions. And I think that's, you know, I think that's some of the people who are listening to this show as well. You want to believe, you just have s- some sincere questions, maybe some sincere doubts. And I honestly believe that uh, that God is is able to handle our doubts. That He doesn't um, He doesn't get upset with us for having doubts. I think a a good proof of that is found in Genesis chapter eighteen. It's a it's a text that I always think of, in which we see Abraham and Sarah, and this angel comes to Abraham and Sarah as they're sitting in their tent, and he says to them, "Hey, remember God made you a promise many years ago that He's going to give you a child." And Abraham's like, "Man." But how do I know that's actually going to happen? Because it really doesn't feel like it's going to happen because that promise came like 10 years ago and I've just been waiting. At first I was excited and now I'm just super discouraged. It feels like nothing's happening and I'm starting to doubt whether or not this is really going to happen. And what Abraham's saying is, I want to believe. I I truly do. I want to believe that this is true. But yet I do have some questions like, and and I'm struggling to believe. And like we see a guy in Mark's gospel who says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but, but help me in my unbelief. Now, on the other hand, I think there's another kind of unbelief or, or disbelief or doubt, which is not healthy and not good that God isn't excited about. And that can be seen in Abraham's wife, Sarah, and how she responds to that angel. And the way that she responds is laughing, but not in a ha-ha kind of laughing. Her laughter is actually scoffing. Like she's, it's more of a pshaw type of coughing or laughing where she's like, yeah, whatever. I've heard this before and I'm not interested and I don't care. I've, I'm kind of over it. You said this, nothing happened and I'm, I'm done. So I think that that kind of doubt, the doubt that says, you know what, I'm, I'm tuned out. I don't care anymore. That doubt is, is not the kind of doubt that, that God is happy about. But the kind which he is, is that sincere doubt. Like we talked about with these people who said, you know, I want to believe. I just have some honest questions and, I, and I'm open to the answers. So those are, those are, that's the number one thing I took away from this is that there are a lot of people who are Christians and yet they struggle with things. I think there's probably many of our listeners today. Maybe that's you. And if that's you, I would love to talk to you about some of those things on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So I'd love for you to call in and ask me. Tell, let's talk about some of those things that you struggle with or have doubts about. So yesterday we began the series by talking about the Bible and the, the questions about the Bible. Because there are a lot of things that people say about the Bible, right? They say that, you know, the Bible's not trustworthy. Another one they say is that it's been changed over time. They say, you know, how do we know that we got the right books in the Bible? Because, 
you know, didn't Constantine choose the books that went in the Bible and didn't go in the Bible? At least that's what the guy in the Da Vinci Code said, right? So that must be true. And, uh, and another one is, you know, aren't, doesn't the Bible contradict itself at a whole bunch of places? Like, for example, the Gospels. One Gospel will say that Jesus did one thing, and another Gospel will say that it happened in a completely different way. And, and if just those guys got their, didn't, couldn't get their stories straight, or, or they didn't remember by the time that they wrote it down, then how can we know that anything that we read about Jesus in the Bible is even true? Another thing that uh, people ask about the Bible or, or accuse of the Bible, I would say, or say about the Bible is that the Bible is an archaic book. And why would we as modern people base our lives on a book that's 2,000 years old? I mean, that just kind of seems ridiculous that we would do that. Um, and not only that, but hasn't the Bible been used as a tool of oppression? throughout history to subjugate women and minorities and promote slavery and things like that. And so yesterday we spent uh, time looking at that and saying, okay, what are these things that people say about the Bible? And, and let's compare that with the facts and reality and let's see if we really can trust the Bible because if we can't, then we really need to reevaluate a lot of things. And of course, we came away from that just actually myself, I came away from it knowing a lot of those things to begin with. But, um, but here was the crazy thing is that I came away from this study in my own personal study preparing for the message just completely overwhelmed with material because once you start looking into the facts of can we actually trust the Bible, uh, it's just like an avalanche of information in favor of the Bible. So again, if any of you would like to discuss that topic, I'd love to talk with you on the air. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. This coming Sunday, we're going to talk about our next topic, which, uh, which I'll get back to in just a second after we go to some callers. But that is the topic of hypocrisy. And stuff that's happened in the past, like the Crusades, and why would you want to be part of a religion that uh, that is involved or associated with such terrible things and such terrible people, right? Hip Christians are hypocrites. Isn't that true? That's what a lot of people would say. And, uh, and let's get back to that after we go to our caller on uh, line one. We've got Neil in Pueblo, Colorado. Hi, Neil. Hi there. How are you today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Um, my question for you today, Pastor, is that, um, you know, I know the Lord's Prayer was given to us as an outline um, on how to pray, but so often we hear when people pray, we'll say, Father, or Lord, or God, um, exactly who should we pray to initially, because I know sometimes at the end it'll be, you know, and in Jesus' name we pray, so maybe it's a confusion of the Trinity in a way, but... You know, who are we praying to technically? God, Jesus, or, and who is Lord? <laughs> so, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, what's, what's interesting, I, um, I mean, I'm doing some graduate studies right now, and I just started a whole course on Trinitarian personhood, meaning the Trinitarian personhood of God. And so it's a topic that's very fresh on my mind. And so, um, yeah, so I'll give you this, this little bit of information. In the Bible, we see Jesus praying to the Father. And we see Jesus instructing, as you said, his disciples in the Lord's Prayer to pray to God as Father. And it's interesting, as you might have heard, or some of our listeners might have heard, the word that he uses for Father is not like the formal word for Father. It's the informal word. So he's, it's the way that a person would actually talk to their father. 
dad or papa, you know, that kind of terminology. And so what Jesus is doing is he's, he's doing something which would have been really radical and different for, the, for even the Jewish people who heard him, which was to emphasize that we can have this personal relationship with God. That would have been a very radical concept and, and still is. So um, here's the other thing. We only see one time in the New Testament when someone addresses their prayer to Jesus. And that is Stephen uh, in Acts chapter 6 or 7. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 7. Uh, Stephen, the first martyr, he prays to Jesus. Uh, and there might be one other instance. But my point is this. Almost every instance in the New Testament, especially when we see Jesus praying, he's praying to the Father. Um, we see Paul the Apostle praying to God, praying to the Father, praying by in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, we see, and what the one thing that I found interesting, we don't see anyone praying directly to the Holy Spirit. Now, I will just say this. I don't think it's wrong necessarily to pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, I just find it interesting that there's no precedent for it in the Bible. So who should we be praying to? Um, I think we, we are praying to the Trinitarian God. Now, the question is, those the persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, how do they relate to each other, and how do they relate to us? Here's what we see, is that the Father sends the Son, the Son sends, send, the, Son sends the Spirit, the Spirit glorifies the Son, and the Son glorifies the Father, and the Son and the Spirit are the persons of the Godhead by which we experience, we come to know and we come to experience the Father in a personal way. That's how I would put it to you. Um, now, that being said, I think that you can pray to the Father just as Jesus did and he instructed us to. I think you can pray to Jesus. And I think you can pray to the Holy Spirit, even though there's no precedent for it in the Bible. I think the key is understanding the God who you are praying to. I think that's really the key. Okay. And so I would assume then that it deals more with just salvation, but where it states in the Bible that there's, you know, the only way to God is through Jesus, that he's our mediator, but yet we're still able to have direct access to God via our prayers, just not our salvation. That makes sense. Yeah, so Jesus is our salvation. He is the door. In other words, that's what he calls himself in John chapter 10. He says, I am the door or the gate for the sheep, and anyone who enters through me will find freedom. That's what he says. So he is the one by whom we enter into God. And the way that, what that means technically is this, that it's through faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us as our Savior. That is what saves us, embracing him and what he did for us, putting our faith, our trust, our reliance uh, in that. And now the whole thing about mediator, you got to understand also that's talking about a mediator, an advocate. That's somebody who stands in our place before God. It's a kind of a legal language as well, which says that right. he stands in our place as, you know, an advocate, which is another word for a lawyer, but also a mediator, meaning someone who, who goes in between, one who bridges the gap because we couldn't previously go to God and Jesus comes in and he creates that bridge by which we can go to God. So can we go to the Father directly? Yeah, I think we can. You know, I think that's the whole point of what was, was being symbolized when Jesus, 
you know, breathed his last and died and the earth shook and the temple curtain, which separated man from the immediate presence of God in the Holy of Holies was, was torn in half from top to bottom. In other words, uh, it wasn't done by people. It was done by God. Okay, makes sense. Thank yeah. you very much for your, your explanation today. And I hope you have a blessed day. Awesome. God bless you. Talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church on the air with you today, answering your questions about the Bible, praying for your prayer requests. We'd love to have you uh, call in. We'd love to pray for you or answer some of your questions uh, like the previous one we just had about the Trinity. And so you can do that. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. We've got all open lines right now. It's a good time to call in. Again, the number three zero three six nine zero three thousand. So before we took that call, I was telling you about um, a series we're doing and a poll that I did online, and this was what I found really most interesting out of the whole thing. And it actually corresponds with other data, I guess, that I found in other polls and surveys about why people don't embrace Christianity more. And and that was this, that the number one reason that I got in my poll was um, that pe- that Christians are hypocrites. That was the number one reason. In other words, it wasn't that people have a problem with, um, with Christian doctrine. It was that people have a problem with Christian people and, and their behavior. And so, um, and so that's what we're going to be talking about this Sunday. We're going to be looking at John chapter 8 where we see some people who uh, were you know, religious and zealous, but they were trying to kind of trap Jesus by bringing to him this woman who had been caught in adultery. And Jesus uh, responded in a brilliant way and showed grace to this woman, but also truth. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this coming Sunday. But you know, I just found that very interesting, that the trouble is hypocrisy. Also, that the whole idea of... Um, the Crusades and, and what do you make of all that? So I guess our goal with this series is really to tackle some of these big challenges that people bring against Christianity and give, um, you know, hopefully very good answers. So uh, let's go to Chad in Millican, Colorado. Hi, Chad. Welcome to the program. How's it going? Going great. What's up? Um, I, I have a question and then I also have a prayer request. All right. Um, I, I have a question and a prayer request. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In the Bible, it talks about the weightier matters, which is justice, mercy, and faith. Okay. Um, that being said, is it is it okay to relate that <clears throat> to the Trinity? Whereas in God, is He is justice, and Jesus is the mercy. And by faith, that's how you receive the Holy Spirit? And that's so, how... So I think that would actually constitute a kind of modalism let me explain what modalism is for anybody who might not know it's when you when you try to separate the persons of the trinity and and say you know okay so for example one way that we do this is modalism which by the way was declared a heresy (laughs) i'm not calling you a heretic i'm just saying that in the ancient church councils that was declared a a heresy um and so here's what modalism is it's when you say that um you know, sometimes God is this form and sometimes he's that form and sometimes he's this form. And so when you take each person of the Trinity and you say, this person of the Trinity does this and this person of the Trinity is like this and this person of the Trinity 
is like that, um, that that's a form of modalism. I'll give you a really common form of modalism that sometimes you hear a lot, and that is they say, you know, people try to use an analogy for the Trinity, and they will say, uh, you know, it's like an egg, right? So an egg has a shell, it has a egg white, and it has a yolk, and all of them are an egg, but there are these three different parts. So that concept was rejected by Christians historically as uh, too simplistic uh, of an understanding. In under, other words, um, while each of the persons of the Trinity has its unique role, which they, are, they clearly do, right? Like Jesus has a role in our salvation. He, the Holy Spirit didn't die for us. Jesus died for us. Um, the Holy Spirit has his role in God's plan of salvation. Um, and yet, I think, I think that what you're saying isn't wrong, that those are all three aspects of God. And, and maybe they are heavier, let's say, uh, he more heavily seen, like in the Father, the justice. But we also see that the Father is a Father who is a Father of mercy. And, and so I would just say it's more, it's more mixed than it can't just be clearly delineated in that way. Yeah, I mean, I believe that they're one. I just, um, that's just the characteristics that I see when I read the Bible is, is, is more God being like justice and getting things done. And then Jesus comes in and he's forgiven everybody's sins. And then mm -hmm. by faith, you just, that's the reason why we have the Holy Spirit in us. That's, no, I, I think you're. I think you're onto something. I would just tell you that I think that it wouldn't. That there, it's a little bit more complicated. And I'll, I'll give you one very obvious reason here is that it says in the Bible that Jesus Himself will come and will be the judge of all the earth, and Jesus will be the one who judges people. So I, I do think that those are very important characteristics of who God is. Like you're saying, I just think that yeah. it, it is a little bit more. Um, mixed and nuanced than, than, than can be clearly like black and white. The Father is always justice. The Son is always mercy. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying like that they, that's all they can be, but that's sure. just the way that I, the main characteristic that I see. But I mean, when you say like Jesus is going to come back and judge, I think of the establishment that, that God first put on where it was like the Jewish Sanhedrin and their laws and they are they were supposed to be merciful like with Jesus in general like when okay. he was being judged but they they failed to do what their law had had like what was written in their laws um, right right but okay well the main reason I called in though if I can get a, a prayer for my marriage yeah absolutely any uh, uh, uh anything you want to share with us you don't have to we can just pray for marriage in general but if you want to share anything we'd I'd love to have some some direction um just uh <laughs> for my for my wife to come back and um she's she's living at her parents right now okay. um uh, i messed up like 10 months ago and she yeah I didn't cheat on my wife, but but it, it was an emotional cheating, to, and so it, it okay. did a lot of damage. And okay. yeah, and, <laughs> all right, yeah, and that's really I appreciate you sharing that because I know that's that's probably hard to do. Um, have you have you dealt with that? If you don't mind me asking. And in what sense? Like in the sense of like with, with be, before the, the Lord, the person that was, no, really, yeah, I, I mean, in a spiritual I've been sense. I've been, I've been praying a lot, and 
uh, asking the Lord, you know, what move should I do? You know, I, okay. I go to my closet and I pray. And, and that relationship, I assume, I assume that's no longer going on. Um, I mean, I see her once in a while because we have a son together. And no, I, I meant the uh, the emotional relationship, the other one. Oh no, no that 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 even ended ten months ago. Okay. So it, it, it only went on for like a week, and I don't know what I was thinking. I think uh, my wife was being real moody, and I, and I kind of panicked and and was stupid. So okay, well, yeah, I don't want to push too hard on this. I just was. I was curious. I just wanted to see where your heart was at. But yeah, let me let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. We pray for Chad and we pray for his wife and his son. And um, we pray for the reunification of this family. Lord, I thank you that where there has been need for repentance, that that repentance has taken place. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God who forgives and you're a God who gives second chances. Lord, we pray for Chad's wife. We understand that she's probably uh, dealing with a lot of hurt and a lot of um, emotions pray having a hard time um forgiving knowing what to do lord we pray that um that truly you would work in the life of this family we pray that that repentance that restoration would take place and lord we just pray for a beautiful work of your spirit in both of their lives we pray that even through this crisis that you would use it in an amazing way and uh and in a way that we can look back on later and say glory to god god you did an amazing work in this family's life and you used what was bad and you used it for good and for for your glory and for their good and lord i pray for the child involved in this lord that that um he get to be together with his dad and i just pray for reunification in this family i pray that they would get together they would be looking to you together and this would spurn them to a deeper spiritual relationship with you and um and together so Heavenly Father, we pray blessing upon them and their family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Chad. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. We're coming up on our break. Let's go ahead and take our next call, uh, Danny in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Danny. Hey, Pastor Nick. I uh, just wanted to ask you a question about your poll there. Uh, yeah. If you have published those results, and if so, where can they be found? So I have published them. I published them a while back. Since I published them, I got more response. So I would need to update that. Uh, here's where it can be found. My blog, my website is okay. nick nickkady.org. That's n-i-c-k-c-a-d-y.org. So nickkady.org. And if you go on there, you'll have to scroll down a bit. I'll tell you the date when I posted the mm-hmm. results. Hang on, I'm pulling it up right now. And um, see here since i posted the results the one big change is that i had a lot more people respond who were not christians and i i really found their views to be um to be very interesting so okay it i published the results on february 15th of this year so february 15th so if you go to nickkady.org and you just scroll down the posts until you find the one it's titled i took a poll here's what i learned and um yeah, you can find that one on there. And uh, February 15, 2018, you should be able to find that, and you can see some of the results of the poll. So at the time when I did it, I had 77% of people were Christians, 18 were not Christians, and 5 were undecided. And 18% did not respond if they were Christian or not. 
And, um, and so then I go through kind of some of the stuff I've mentioned about hypocrisy. And then I give kind of some answers about hypocrisy on there. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, awesome. So where, hey, did, where did you oh, go ahead? Post your poll. I posted it on my blog in a previous oh, post wow. to that. Yeah, which you can go so down. You can you find that. Hey, to... can you hang on? We're going to go to break, and I'd love to oh, continue yeah. this conversation in two minutes' time. We're going to break. Yeah. You're listening to Calvary Live. We'll be back in two minutes. Englewood, Jesus died for you. GraceFMColorado.com. Worship in the Word all day long. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. We just uh, are on the other side of our break now, and we are taking your calls and texts. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or prayer requests that you have. You can text us, and we'll answer those questions on the air. Just before the break, we were talking to Danny in Longmont, Colorado. That's my city. Uh, and so, hey, Danny, are you there again? Yes, sir, I'm here. All righty. Hey, so you were asking me a question. We were talking about a poll that I took on my blog about common hurdles that people experience in embracing Christianity. And this is uh, true for Christians and non-Christians. Yes, definitely. Uh, so I guess I, I was just wondering, like, how did you, where did you get these people from? How did you... Yeah, you know, well, the internet The internet is a pretty incredible thing. I have this well, website. Yeah. I... I um, I have been, so I started this website four years ago, this blog. So it's, um, for those who didn't hear on the front end, the, it's my personal blog website. It's nickkady.org. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. And I started this blog a couple of years ago, and my goal was that I noticed, I felt like there were a lot of things going on in the world that weren't being addressed, uh, at least not by me, in my church and in my regular teaching. And people are asking questions, and so I started just blog about them and like answer questions about you know, things in the news and, and big cultural issues. And I wanted to, I wanted to really um, bring the gospel into everyday life. So anyway, I've built up a following over the last couple of years. I've got, you know, I don't know, over a thousand people who subscribe. And then I've also got, of course, my social media. So I've got my Twitter platform, Facebook, and then I've got our church. So I put it out to the church and I also ask people in the church to share it on their social media. And you know how these things can be. They right. can reach tons of people if you if you get people sharing it. So Right. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So, hey, if, so uh, yeah, go ahead. If I want to hear like you know, I I um I won't be able to come to the church to hear what you're yeah. you know going to address or so you you have recordings and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You can listen to everything on whitefieldschurch.com. Yesterday's message will be posted probably tomorrow morning. We usually post them within a day or two. So tomorrow morning is when, um, you know, they're just editing basically my uh, mistakes. Like basically, you know, like uh, how I have personal tics or whatever. They just edit that stuff right. out of it and make it presentable. And then they put it up on our website, uh, whitefieldschurch.com. Okay, awesome. Cool. That sounds great. All right. Thank awesome. You so much. All right. God bless you. All right. Bye bye. Hey, you too. All right. 
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go over to our text line uh, while we're waiting for some more calls to roll in. We have a prayer request. Someone wrote in and said, Hi, I struggle with jealousy. I will be 27 years old in two weeks. I am not married or close to it. I don't have any children. I struggle with health problems, but thankfully that is getting better. I had a rough life growing up. I tell God I want marriage and children, but nothing. Why? Please pray for me. I'd be happy to pray for you. I'm sure that you are not the only person listening uh, who struggles with these things. I think these are, the, you are not alone. I guess that's what I want to tell you uh, in, in having these questions and in, um, in having these desires. Here's what I would really tell you more than anything. That in this life that we live in, in this world that we're in, what the Bible tells us is that we are created for light and life, and yet we live in a world which is sometimes characterized by darkness and death. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to break the curse of sin and death and to set us free and to give us life everlasting with him, and life that begins now, of abundant life with him now and for eternity. That is the meaning of eternal life. And and here's what I would tell you. Those desires that you have are good desires. Absolutely. And here's what else I would tell you. Those desires you have will only ever ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. The desire you have for companionship, the desire you have for, um, for yeah, I guess that's the word, companionship, fellowship, that desire you have for deep relationships and love, um, and a person who, who loves you, knows you ho- fully, and, and embraces you and loves you completely, that is a good desire. And, and it is a desire that is ultimately only going to be fulfilled in Jesus. As a person who has kids and, and is married, I will tell you that that desire, as good as marriage is, it will never fulfill the deepest longing of your heart. And I know that probably doesn't, probably doesn't help a lot to a person who says, yeah, but I still would like to have that in part. But here's what I really want you to know is that everything that you desire, if, you're, if you put your trust in Jesus, that is the promise of the gospel, that everything that is broken will become un, undone, unbroken. Jesus is coming to heal everything that is broken in creation, in us, in the world, and to give us this new life in this new city, the, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth which is to come. And that is the place where everything will be right. See, I think that we all have this, this innate sense that there's a way that things should be, and that's not the way that things always are, right? I think I, I just did a funeral uh, recently, and this is exactly what I talked about, that there's this sense that we all have. And, uh, you know, Blaise Pascal, he was a French philosopher, but he's also a Christian. And he said this, he said, within all of us, there is this desire for something, and then we don't, it's not fulfilled in this life. And why is that? Why do we all have this desire for this perfection that we can't attain in this life? And what the, the Blaise Pascal, this Christian, said many, many years ago, he said it's because we were created by God, and we were created for God, and we were created in perfection, and yet we're broken and fallen, and yet we have this, I guess you could call it an ancestral memory of, of the way that things should be. That's why when we look at the world and we see things happen, we say that's not right it shouldn't be that way and yet that's how it is even with with death or or sickness you know you mentioned that you struggle with illness um and you mentioned that you desire 
love that that will be you know faithfulness and love and these things why do we have those desires the reason is because what we truly desire is god i just read an incredible quote it was by gk chesterton who's a a uh, theologian and writer from uh, about a hundred years ago and gk chesterton said this every man who has ever knocked on the door of a brothel was searching for god and now just let that sink in because that is an incredibly deep thought and an incredibly true thought that what it means is that everybody is searching for god in everything they do and only in god will those desires that we try to fulfill with other things ever be truly fulfilled and so my my biggest encouragement to you and to anyone else listening is this understand this that as you pray for those things and i do encourage you to continue seeking those things because they're good things the desire to have a family and the desire to be physically you know fit and and not held back by your 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 illness or sickness those are good desires keep praying for those things and all the meanwhile understand that truly underneath all of it what you desire is a relationship with god through christ and ultimately in him all of the things that are wrong will be made right but the good news is you can have a taste of that even now by coming into god uh, coming into relationship with god through faith in jesus let me pray for you heavenly father pray for this this person uh, and just my heart goes out to them my heart breaks with them that they're struggling with this desire to be married and they're struggling with the desire to have children and um and and god they're desiring to be physically well so lord we do i do pray for those things i pray for physical wellness for this person i pray for them to find a relationship and and to a marriage but lord i know that if that is the only thing that matters if it's the main thing in their heart it will become an idol and, and it will probably lead to bad things even bad relationships or, or or an unbalanced or even even a sense of bitterness lord i pray for this person and anyone else listening who can agree with this or who um, associates with these feelings and, and just say lord may they find their fulfillment in you may they f- find it in you so that when the, that relationship does come around, if it ever does, or when the physical fitness does get better, that they won't make an idol out of it. That they'll, they'll see it as something good, but not the ultimate thing. So Lord, I pray that you would be the ultimate thing for them, for me, for all of us listening. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've got uh, one more texture that I told I would respond right away. So I'm going to do that. This person said, Hi, I'm confused by reading that David had two wives. Is this saying that polygamy is okay? I've been reading the Bible only for three months. Here's the answer. No, it's not saying that polygamy is okay by any means. It's kind of like reporting the news, right? So some of the Bible is narrative, and it's historical narrative, like the stories about David, right? And, um, and they're meant there to teach, they're, they're put there, number one, because they actually happened. And number two, the, re- the way they're written is to teach us something through them. And in fact, if you read Genesis, you're going to see a lot of things happen that... Uh, that are very questionable. And when you read them, it's like reading the news. You have to a- interact with the text and ask God as you read it and ask God, yeah, God, wait, okay, David had two wives. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Wh- what are you teaching me through this? Are you saying it's okay or are you showing me the disastrous effects of this true behavior that actually happened? And that is the case, by the way, with polygamy. That uh, if you look at throughout the Bible, whenever polygamy took place, it's always you always see that it had disastrous results. You see that in Genesis. I mean, I was thinking about Isaac having these sons 
um, you know, he has two wives, Leah and Rachel. And uh, I'm sorry, Jacob. Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel. And he loved one of them more than the other. And he loved the, the kids from one of them more than he loved the kids of the other. And he played favorites. And it just had disastrous results in his family. Um, you see that Abraham, for example, his wife couldn't get pregnant. So they tried to do this weird surrogate thing where he slept with his servant girl, which is, you know, an abuse of power that might even be considered a crime in our day. If you if you had, you know, if you're a position, person in a position of authority and you took advantage of your servant and made her do something like that. I mean, that's a terrible thing. And how did it turn out? Well, it turned out disastrously. How did it turn out for David that he had multiple wives? It was a disaster. And, and one of the reasons you can see that is that if you look in 2 Samuel, you'll notice that David, uh, he was also not a very good father. I mean, you see that he didn't, his kids did things, and then David just did nothing about it. And then his other kids got mad at him for not doing anything. And you say, well, gosh, David, why weren't you a better father? Here's the reality. David was a human being. In many ways, he, you know, he is the the king, the anointed king, but he's still a man. And even the best of men or women are still men and women at best. So I hope that answers your question. No, polygamy is not made okay in the Bible at all. In fact, it's very much portrayed as being something that people did, but definitely not the way it was supposed to be. And I'll give you the one last thought on that. You see that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where it talks about the creation. In creation, we see that God's setting the precedent for how things should work. And he says, that's why God created them, male and female. And that's why God said that a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and not his wives. It says one man, one woman before God. That's the precedent we have in the Bible. And we see that throughout the New Testament. For example, in the New Testament, in First uh, Timothy chapter 2 and 3, we're told that the uh, requirements for elders and deacons, they are to be a one woman man. And that... Uh, and when it comes to deacons, there's, it could be possible to have a female deacon. But again, uh, no multiple marriage was allowed. Even though that was still practiced at that time, the, you know, Paul the Apostle writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, I don't want any of this polygamy stuff involved in the church at all. I was, it's not good. It's not right. It's not God's design. So I hope that answers your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Let's go to Kathy in Larkspur, Colorado. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Nick. Um, thanks for taking my call. I was just reading um, in, um, I was reading a study, I'm doing Hebrews, and the pastor brought us back to the Moses when um, they were trying to go into the Promised Land, and he sent out the the, is it 10 spies? Yeah, I think it's 10 spies, and two came back favorable, which were Joshua and Caleb, and and then they were not subject, they were not punished by having to wander. I, I just don't know what happened to them at that point. They didn't, from what I understand, they did, were able to enter the promised land. He wasn't going to punish them for that, but can you tell me what happened with Caleb and Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I'm going to give you some homework to do too. Okay. I want you to go okay. and I want you to read um, in the book of Joshua to so just read their story. But okay. let me give you the background. I'll give you the big picture. And then okay. I want you to read, especially I'm going to look up the exact chapter. There's, a, there's some chapters about 
uh, Caleb specifically, which are really cool. So, okay. So the deal with Joshua and Caleb, yes, they were part of that original generation. They were the only ones from the original generation that came out of Egypt that, and that, yes, they did wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, with because of the disobedience of the others, they still had to wander and walk in circles for years in the desert, waiting for everybody okay. else to die, which must have been pretty, pretty. I mean, I don't want to say it was humorous, but it is humorous, like on our end, right? To think about that, like, man, you got like this, like two guys, like hanging on, and you're like, man, as soon as these guys die, I can enter the land of promise. You know, I wonder if they were kind of tripping them, maybe stealing their mana. I'm not sure what they were doing, but. Uh, <laughs> They're just like, man, when are these people going to die? So here's the thing with uh, Joshua and Caleb. You remember they were the two who had faith. And right. and we see that in Numbers, that they were the ones who said, no, we can do this because God told us to, and all we got to do is obey. He's going to be the one who's going to give us the ability. So uh, they had faith, and because they had faith, God allowed them to go into the promised land. Um, yeah, so that's... That's all. They were the only two from that generation who got. But they to go had in there. to wander for the forty years because I thought, well, they don't say anything, and I, I do need to go read Joshua. So, okay. yes. So I, the answer is yes. They did have to. Okay. And uh, but they I'm must have to... been a lot. They were a lot older. They were forty years older. Exactly. So were, you know. No, that's exactly it. And so, yeah, I'm trying to find you this text, and um, man, where is it? Oh yeah, here it is. Okay, it's in. Joshua chapter 14. So I, I do want you to read the whole whole book, but I specifically right. want you to read chapter 14. And I'm just going to give you some highlights while I got you on the phone for our okay. listeners' sake as well. So here's what it says. It's, you know, Joshua and Caleb, they go in, and they, they st once they get into the promised land, they still have to fight battles, right? Because they got to actually now occupy right. Right. the promised land. So once they do, and for the most part, the promised land, the battles are fought in the promised land, is now ready to be divided up. That's what we read about halfway through the book of Joshua takes place and they start dividing up the land amongst the tribes. And here it says that um, the people of Joshua, so this is chapter 14, Joshua 14, verse 6. It says, then the people of jo Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. That's kind of their meeting place where they would always come back to his headquarters. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea, by the way, was the place where they went to the southern border of the promised land, and then everybody else got scared, and they turned back. So he says, you remember what God told you. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea. So that means he's now 80 years old. And he actually mm -hmm. says in verse 10, 45 years. It's been 45 years since then. So he's actually 85 years old, and he says that in verse 10. I'm 85 years old. But then he says, I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as, the str as my strength was then for war, for going and coming. And he says, now I want you to give me the hill country, which the Lord spoke in that day. That's where the Anakim were with great fortified cities. And it may be that the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out just as the Lord said to me. And I, I love this. Uh, there's actually another um, part where he says, that the Anakim and the fight was like bread to me. Um, and I, I love that because what he's saying is, I'm trying to find that part too. But anyway, um, he says, yeah, they're like bread to me. In other words, he says, this is what keeps me going. He's, he's an old man, 
but he's a spry old man and he wants to fight and he wants to do the Lord's work. And uh, I really, I really think that is a really important example for us to all follow. That man, this guy wasn't looking to retire. He was looking, he wanted, as long as he could, he wanted to fight the good fight. He wanted to be involved in what God was doing. And he, and he didn't look for the easy job either. He said, the Anakim, by the way, those are the giants, okay? He says, I want to go to the hill country where the Anakim are, and I want to fight some giants, and, I, and maybe God will give them to me. That's how I want to spend the, the last years of my life. But look how God blessed him and gave him that. Absolutely. You know, no. one, of my, one of the most moving messages I've ever heard was by John Piper. It's very famous. You can find it on YouTube. And he's talking about the real tragedy is that so many people today are so focused on you know, getting to the place of ease in their life. And he, he talks about two missionaries from his church who he sent to Africa, and they died in a car crash. And they were in their 80s. One of them had never been married. Um, and he says, is that a tragedy? And he says, no, that's not a tragedy. That's glorious. He says, you know what's a tragedy? Th these people who, you know, retire early and spend their life in a Winnebago and collecting seashells. What are you going to do? Present to God your seashells? I think it's just so challenging. And I think that Caleb is, is the perfect, uh, you know, example of that. Awesome. I just want to share that um, I am I am almost 62, and I, my husband and I, have been married 30, well, since 85, so a long time. And um, we raised a son with disabilities, and it was a super hard journey. And our son is now in a group home, and God has is working on both my husband and I as we are looking towards retirement to what he's going to use us for and 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 i have it on my heart and it to witness to anybody and everybody i can and that's what i've been reading the bible for a couple hours a day usually monday through friday just preparing for that because i'm i'm scared you know yeah. i i think it's hard to witness to people and and i want and i know that god will work through me and I know the Holy Spirit will, will, will equip me. I know all of that. But the emotional side keeps me, you know, the fear keeps me, has kept me from doing it. Now I'm so prepared. I'm ready. <laughs> so, awesome. Here, I, I'm going yeah. to encourage you, go on YouTube and search out that thing. Um, John Piper, Don't Waste Your Life, and look for the, the teaching which he gave at the Passion Conference. So you can okay. look for all those things. That okay. message, I mean, gosh, every time I watch it, I almost cry because I'm like, man, I want to be that. I want to be Caleb, you know, at the end of my life asking God to use me. So let me pray for you, and then I'm going to let can you I, go. And I'm going to ask for one thing in prayer yeah. is that my neighbor who is dying, he's, he, I think he's probably about 80, and um, I was asked by his daughter, who's my very next-door neighbor, to go talk to him, and I've only met him a couple times walking up and down my street, and he is, and I think she wants me to talk to him about, you know, to give, to give him peace about where he's going, and yeah. and so I want to witness to him. His name is Robert, mm -hmm. and um, I would appreciate if when you pray you could um, ask for that opportunity for me, because the first time I was supposed to go there last week, it was canceled, and he's in hospice. Okay. at home. 
Sounds okay. good. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Kathy. We pray for her husband. Lord, I just thank you for your work in their lives, how you faithfully brought them through this difficult, but I'm sure very, um, very rewarding season of taking care of their son. And I thank you now that they, they have years in front of them. And I thank you for this example of Caleb, this man who at the end of his life says, I want to serve the Lord. I, I want to be used by you, God. I don't, I'm not looking for something easy. I'm not looking to kick back and retire. I'm looking to charge the hill and take on giants because I know that you can give me victory. Lord, I pray for Kathy and her husband that that would characterize their life as too. And I pray for anyone else listening who's you know, maybe retiring and thinking, what do I do now? Lord, I pray that you would raise up a, a generation of people who are coming into retirement, who would use that opportunity to be poured out in service for you, for your kingdom and for your glory. Mm -hmm. And I pray, Lord, for this neighbor, Robert. Lord, I thank you that Kathy has been invited into this situation. Lord, myself and everyone listening, we just now beseech you, Lord. We beg, we pray that you would use Kathy in an amazing way in her neighbor's life and that he would truly come to salvation through faith in Jesus. And I pray you'd use Kathy in that way. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Yes. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We are coming up on the last five minutes of our program. We have one more call that we're going to take. Let's go to Shannon on line two. Hi, Shannon. Hi. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for holding. Um, now, I was calling in for a praise report for one. Um, I called, Pastor Fig was there about three weeks ago, and my wife had gone to Illinois to go to a be, uh, like behavioral treatment center, mm-hmm. and I didn't know whether the insurance was going to cover it or not, and they did approve it, and I appreciate the prayers for that. But now um, she has come home, and things aren't really any better. They're actually probably worse, and she had walked out on her and her daughter and left her daughter with me, so I'm stepdad, and now we have uh, her father has come into the picture and is trying to seek custody, but he is bipolar and an alcoholic and a prescription pain pill addict, and my wife hasn't come back, and she doesn't have a job and is essentially homeless right now, staying at a friend's house. And I'm kind of, you know, I don't know what to do to make sure that my 15-year-old stepdaughter is okay. And I don't have any legal rights to her, and I need some prayer to just make sure that she is safe. And she she doesn't want to be anywhere but here. This is where she considers her home, and she's already had a lot of issues herself with life and everything, and... Uh, my marriage needs prayer. That you know, I've, I've come to the realization that I uh, I emotionally neglected my wife, and she has PTSD, and I didn't handle it very well, and caused her to walk out on us. And it's it's really hurting everybody right now. And I don't know what to do other than ask for prayer from every and. Every single person I know, I talked to somebody there at the station this morning, and they're going to have somebody from the church in Aurora call me and give me some resources. But any prayers you could give me would be appreciated. Absolutely. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Shannon. pray for his wife. pray for his stepdaughter. 
and this situation. Lord, I, I thank you that, that through this you have brought him to this place of just humble repentance uh, before you. Lord, sometimes it, 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 it's only in that place of brokenness and repentance that's when you begin to rebuild things from the ground up and make them right. And so, Lord, I pray for Shannon and this place of brokenness that he would be turning to you, depending on you, hoping in you, trusting in you, looking to you as his only source of hope and help. And um, Lord, I pray for his wife and uh, just this PTSD that she's struggling with. I know that can be very difficult. So Lord, we pray for her and we ask that you would bring clarity to her mind. Bring, we pray, Lord, that you would ease her anxiety. And um, Lord, we pray that you would bring restoration in this marriage and where repentance has been needed, Lord, we pray that there would be true repentance. Where forgiveness is needed, Lord, may there be forgiveness. May you give Shannon direction with what to do with the stepdaughter and how to nurture her and help her and guide her. And even as long as she's with him, Lord, I pray that he would take on that role 110%, nurture her, guide her spiritually, take care of her physically. Lord, enable him, empower him to do that by your grace, we ask, and give him wisdom and direction. In Jesus' name, amen. One other praise report that I wanted to mention. Um, she had actually gone through a lot of emotional stuff and started to you know, deny God and deny Jesus. And here in the last two weeks, she's coming back. And I've been praying for that for months and months and months, and I just see a fire that's being lit in her, and I, I, I'm so thankful for that. I just want to give praise to God for that. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Shannon. I have to let you go. Thank you. The end of the show. Have a great day. All have right. a blessed night. You too. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'll be with you next Monday. Have a blessed evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.